This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by SupplyFrame, a provider of cradle-to-grave sourcing solutions for the electronics industry. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company. But now, on to the podcast. The electronics industry is suffering from a critical shortage of production components. How did it happen, and what can be done about it? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The economy is going great guns for the moment. But good news always comes at a price. In the case of the electronics industry, it's a question of supply falling well short of demand. The reason is a shortage of components, driven by the coming of the Internet of Things, smartphone sales, and especially the tech-hungry automotive industry. My guest today is Mike Muson, Senior Director of Enterprise SaaS, that's Software as a Service, with SupplyFrame. He'll help us to delve into the causes behind the shortfall, where it's most acute, and the ramifications for a wide range of devices for consumers and business. And he has advice for manufacturers who want to avoid being caught begging for components in the next big squeeze. It's all about building better relations with suppliers. But if you haven't started doing that yet, it might be too late. So here is my conversation with Mike Muson. Mike Muson, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Bob. I'm happy to be here. So, Mike, I understand that you have identified an issue of component shortages in the electronics industry. Is this, in fact, the case? Where is it happening? Yeah, it seems like it's pretty much happening across the board. We're working with OEMs and EMS providers daily that are reporting this issue. Certainly a lot of documentation across the market and across any readable information out there about the MLCC shortage. MLCC, multi-layer ceramic chip capacitors. And then a lot of that is being driven by the growth in explosion, really, in the IoT space. Smartphones continuing to proliferate and the automotive industries craving for these small case size components. And that's really driving that shortage. Everybody's aware of it, and hopefully people are preparing for the demand to be and the production being built around this large demand for these small case size components. Well, again, when you say components, could you describe a little bit more about what you mean when the, those things that are actually subject to shortages? Is it the components themselves, the ingredients that go into the components, and what exactly kind of components are we talking about without getting too technical about the electronics of the whole thing? Yeah, well, I mean, electronic components in general are going to feel across the board are going to feel this shortage. It's impacting the fabs, the ability to create components, and it's being highly restricted. So that's going to be the manufacturers going to allocate production to the components that are going to be most popular. And they're just running out of fabs. So that's going to impact the electronics industry and the components across the board. And that's what we're seeing in the marketplace. 
geographically? Is it happening all over the world, or are there specific parts of the world where the factories are where this is more of an issue? Well, I mean, I think the primary driving of this is out of a handful of manufacturers in Asia that are in tasked with all of the production of these MLCC components, and that kind of spills over into the rest of the marketplace. Okay, so the question that demands to be asked is why? What has led us to this state of affairs? It's the explosion of those three markets that I identified, the IoT space, uh, smartphones, and automotive industry, really soaking up the lion's share of production. And anybody that's not, even if they're not in those spaces, are now having to kind of cater to the demand being in those particular segments for smaller case size components. And that's just spilled over into the rest of the industry. Um, what we do and, and what I'm mostly involved with is helping customers get ahead of that with good forecasting, good designing in of components that are going to be sourceable and supported. And that's really what I spend my daily activities focused on. Clearly, smartphones, there's nothing new about them. There's many of them now, as there have been, if, uh, maybe more, but still, they are pervasive. But are you saying that in the automotive industry, because we're seeing so many more types of electronics incorporated into new cars, that that is putting more of a strain on the component supply chain as well then, right? That's exactly right. The automotive space has changed so much, and that cars are really just computers on wheels. And now with so much emphasis on development in self-driving cars, you have companies and organizations really fully vested in the automotive space. So that is, of course, going to drive increased demand for electronics. And the impact of that is going to be felt across the electronics industry. Does the problem extend back through the supply chain to raw materials? Is that where it starts, or is it more at the assembly level, just meeting demand at that point? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. It's the raw materials, but it's also the demand for components increasing. It's a happy or not so happy combination of supply being less available than the demand that is required. We've always heard about the problem of rare earths that they are not that rare, but they're still sometimes difficult to come by because most of them come from China and they are incorporated into many of these electronic products. We also hear about the minerals that are essential to high-tech and those that are considered conflict minerals, which can be a problem in terms of maybe the, the source of that gets lessened as companies are forced to be more aware of where their stuff is coming from. Do you think those are issues as well in the shortage? It's possible. That level of depth is not something we typically get into in our conversations with customers, but it certainly is possible. And what about the suppliers themselves? We've ever since the big uh, Great Recession of 2007-2008, companies have been hyper aware of the issue of supplier stability. So not just the supply, but the suppliers themselves and their own ability to continue to produce in a profitable manner that keeps them afloat. Is that an issue right. too, or is it mostly just a materials issue that we're talking about? Well, it's a very good point because there is a lot of people in these kind of crisis scenarios where supply is short, get really focused on the manufacturing piece of it and what are the components that the manufacturers are going to support and are going to be viable in the long term. But you're right, there is a huge component of sourceability that is specific to the channel, the distributors, the suppliers of those manufactured parts. And to your point, are they going to be around in the long term? But also, what are the parts that they intend to stock? They make huge investments, the distribution channel does, in stocking packages. 
and an awareness of what the stocking packages are that are going to be in place and are going to be there in the long term is just as important as the manufacturer's support of those products. So it's really a two-pronged understanding that every OEM or EMS provider needs is what are the parts that the manufacturers are going to support, but also what are the parts that the channel will support and have good stocking packages in place for the long term. Classic laws of supply and demand would suggest that if you have a situation such as this of tight supply, that you just make more, that more suppliers come onto the scene because they see profitable opportunities to serve a market in need. What is stopping that from happening? Why isn't supply stepping up to the needs of the producers? Yeah, it's a good question. It seems that a very small group of suppliers is tasked with creating the supply for these very specific parts. I don't know, and, and maybe in the long term, there will be some vendors or manufacturers that will step in and fill that void. But in the short term, and it seems like something we'll be facing for the better part of two years now, there's going to be that constrained supply. Is that how long it's been going on, really, for two years? It's been at least a year or two years, but the anticipated forecast that the experts in the industry are saying that this is not going to be alleviated anytime soon, that we should expect another two years of this tight supply. To a certain extent, you could just say it's a reflection of a really strong global and American economy, could you not? There's a lot of consumption going on out there, a lot of sales, which does put a strain on supply. It's simple as that, right? Most definitely. A lot of innovation, a lot of explosion of all those vertical markets, but there's a delicate balance there that if you can't get your hands on those parts that you need to make those things, no matter what that device is or that widget is, the market will never get to realize the benefit of those new devices. So it's definitely a little bit of a push-pull going on at the moment. So what are the ramifications of this particular challenge? I mean, you don't hear about car makers being unable to get cars because they can't get access to the components. Is it really a case of just supply not being available, or is it a case of the cost of the parts skyrocketing because of their rarity? Or how does this play out in the real world? It's certainly not an illusion. The, the constrained supply or something that's being created by the manufacturers. Certainly prices are going up. It's going to play its way out to the consumer. Whatever it's going into, if it's automotive, if it's an IoT device, those are going to be more expensive because the costs associated with building those things will be. And they're not going to be able to release those in the, in the kinds of the end products and the kinds of volumes that, that they would like to because of that constrained supply. It's uh, an unfortunate scenario for everybody. We can certainly expect for the consumer to feel it in his or her pocketbook, can we not, in terms of higher prices? I guess that is in the future, right? Most definitely. Certainly until we cross this bridge, there's no other way around it. Those costs have to be passed along. Yeah, and we seem to be talking exclusively about consumer markets for high-tech electronics, but what about B2B markets? What about industrial markets, business needs, large servers, types of electronics that go into business systems? Are those also challenged in supply? Absolutely. Components that go into military contracts or older technology is going to have to be upgraded to fit where the manufacturers are going to be devoting their increase in supply that's going to be where the demand is in these smaller case sizes around you know, IoT, automotive, and smartphones. So who is getting the parts that are available? Who's got enough weight to throw around to get dibs on the shrinking or limited supply of components out there? Yeah, I think the, the same rules apply that always have, and this is 
certainly not for those of us that have been around this industry, as I have for the last 20 years. We've been through shortage scenarios. The same rules apply. It's always the largest companies, the largest organizations that have those relationships. Relationships really are what drives who gets parts when they're highly constrained. The way to think about it, too, is if you're starting to build those relationships now, it's kind of too late. The manufacturers and the larger providers of these components are going to look at the partners that they had when times were good, when supply was available, the the companies that were taking in inventory that were placing big orders. Those are the ones that are going to get the parts when inventory is constrained. So those old rules still apply in this new world of crisis. Do you worry that the current trade war, although it hasn't specifically been aimed at all of these components that we're talking about, that might spread to include them and further constrict supply and raise prices? Yeah, I I think that's definitely a possibility. Uh, I think everybody's just kind of waiting and seeing in the current political environment we're in today, changing daily positions that the government is taking around tariffs and exports. It's a little bit of a scary time and very tenuous and changing on a daily basis. So, Mike, what can companies do in order to cope with this electronics component shortage? We've talked a lot about the challenges and the pains associated with the the current conditions we're in, but I tend to be a glasses half full kind of guy, and I think that a lot of times these kinds of crises will help drive change, and it it forces companies to digitize their sourcing environments, to use more modern-day tools to manage their supply chain and forecast all of the things that are going to be critical when you find yourself in this kind of environment. But when times are good and supply is all over the place, you can really kind of kick the can down the road a little bit and not make the investment in modern day tools and software to help alleviate these problems. So a good thing that I see happening in the marketplace is because there is such an immediate need and emergency scenario, companies are realizing that they have to modernize the tools that they use to address supply chain demand, be able to return quotes faster, to do all of the things that they do to be successful, to make the investment in modern day software and technology to help make that a bit easier. Is supplier diversification an answer or is it just a question of this constriction exists across all markets? So simply adding to the number of suppliers doesn't necessarily help. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily helps. I mean, I think it comes back to those relationships where if you have partners that you've been doing business with for a long time that have been supplying you parts, it's the time to leverage those relationships and call in favors. Spreading your demand across multiple suppliers isn't necessarily going to be the answer. You do want to double down on the relationships that you have rather than open it up to a a broader channel or bringing in new suppliers. Your only way that you're going to get inventory is with the, the people that you're already doing business with. Although it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about technological solutions were certainly at the forefront of this issue, but the human aspect, the relationship aspect is also important. I mean, on one hand, you could just throw your weight around. You could say, I'm the yep. big dog here and you will give me the components I need. On the other hand, you could seek for something deeper and more longer lasting, get the same results and maybe get better relations with your suppliers. I mean, I guess that's a choice you have to make, isn't it? I completely agree with you and and believe that personal relationships, as we talked about, or business relationships that are built on personal relationships are how you're going to get constrained supply. 
That's also how you're going to get anything meaningful in your business, whether it's negotiating your highest volume, highest dollar value items with your suppliers. It's always going to be that human to human interaction and negotiation that really drives the things that matter. But there's a lot of noise and a lot of kind of manual effort that happens around a supply chain or a sourcing process that can truly be optimized with things like software or investment in technology to free up the most valuable investment you have, which is human capital, to do the things that are most valuable to an organization, which is, in this case, fostering better relationships or throwing your weight around with your trusted partners. Mike, tell me a little bit about SupplyFrame. When was the company formed and how and what was the idea behind it at the beginning? SupplyFrame has been around really since the 90s and has evolved into the de facto software solution for the electronics industry. Uh, and really what the, the idea behind it was is to create a tool set and a software suite that would take an OEM or an EMS provider from cradle to grave, so to speak, or soup to nuts, insert whatever analogy you like. But the idea was from the early design phase where an engineer is in the concept and thinking about a new product to help them with software that would help to pick the parts that would help drive the designs that they're trying to accomplish. Then as that grew into a new product introduction, helping them make sure that those parts are sourceable, uh, that they can be bought all the way out to full production, going out and presenting quotes to the supply chain and the distribution channel and helping those customers make decisions around awards, running reports and analytics around how their supply chain is working. So really starting from an early design to full production sourcing, providing a software suite that makes that process highly optimized. I guess you were out to break down some of those functional walls that exist in a supply chain, were you not? By going all the yep. way back and incorporating design into it, that must have been kind of a new idea at the time you guys were formed. Most definitely. And it's funny, as we say, starting since the 90s, sadly, there are a lot of companies that are still operating that same old way and, and making design decisions that are purely based on functionality and not really thinking about sourceability. Or when it gets down to a production quote, sending out these quotes in that massive Excel spreadsheet using VLOOKUPs and doing all kinds of very manual, old school uh, ways of running their sourcing process. And it's kind of ironic to me always that these are companies that are presenting themselves in the market as truly cutting edge tech, high tech companies. But behind the scenes, a lot of times the mechanisms and mechanics of how they're sourcing or designing products is very old school and not, not up to date with modern times. So that's where these kinds of software tools will help modernize and digitize a sourcing process and a design process. We've been talking about component shortages in the electronics industry. Talk to me a little bit about how SupplyFrame itself helps companies meet that challenge. The key tool that helps in that effort is what we call FineChips Pro. And that helps really in two phases. It's helping design engineers to design in parts that are truly sourceable. So getting beyond just the functionality that they're looking to incorporate in that new design, making sure that when they hand that off to a procurement person, that the procurement person is going to be able to buy those parts uh, in the channel and that they are sourceable and are going to be supported in the long term. 
But most specifically in, in the shortage scenario that we find ourselves in, if our existing clients have active designs that they can't find parts for, what FindShips Pro will help them do is upload a list of parts and find the available inventory, if there is any, in the channel, identify who has it with an associated price, and allow them to click a buy now button and purchase that immediately. And where that becomes really valuable is, of course, finding the inventory and seeing where it is, but being able to act on it immediately. Because in an old school environment where you're maybe sending out lists to the distribution channel, it's asking them to go and see if they have inventory, that process just takes a long time. And when stock is in such short supply, you really want to be able to identify where the inventory is and capture it in real time and not waste a lot of time in that back and forth executing an actual order. Those are really two big ways that we're helping in this really critical crisis scenario that we find ourselves in. Critical indeed. Mike Muson, I want to thank you so much for helping us to understand this issue of component shortages in the electronics industry, why it's happening, what can be done about it, and also telling us a little bit about supply frame itself. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Bob. It was great talking with you. That was my conversation with Mike Muson of SupplyFrame, talking about the shortage of components in the electronics industry. We thank SupplyFrame for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time. <laughs>